1: Love Talk Radio. Love Talk Radio. Cold. Why well, we can't go outside and play today? Baby, cause there's too much happening out there. We got misguided people in this world who turn to violence and use guns, and sometimes innocent people like you and me get caught in the middle of it. Well, what's wrong with them? Baby, I don't know. They need changing a lot. Gunfire. Ain't no name on them bullets when they take flight. And so we're praying that God for a safe night, Ride This is getting real wild out here. should no parent ever have to lose a child? man, woman, still it'll sex you. Violence ain't racist. Death come in the faces. Complacent till it hits home, that's when you taste it. And all of these murders and numbers are of, For reasons unheard of. account for a third of crimes just committed. You hear, but do you feel it now? Me and my people stand strong until they get it. Tell the streets to flip the thump down Let's build a foundation here on common ground. And know that we won't stop until that peace is fine. Gotta cry through the night, can you hear that sound? Don't play this, it ain't part of the problem It takes people in opposition to get together And solve in one city, one state One nation, one voice And the victory is ours, you can make one choice Why can't we live here in peace? That peace is what we need Why
2: Black Wall Street USA for Thursday, May 6, 2010, with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. This is Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com, and I will be Mr. Carter's co host for this segment. Black Wall Street USA is on the air every Thursday evening at 7 p.m., right here on CBBN on Blog Talk Radio. We're back this evening from a very busy week with. Much more to offer our listeners and our members in May. First, we had a great reception last Friday. Each Black Wall Street Summit is preceded by a reception and a fundraiser. As a matter of fact, we did a live broadcast of Black Wall Street USA from the reception, and we invited our guests to tell a little bit about their selves, their visions, their businesses, and their products. And they really, really enjoyed it, and I think Mr. Carter enjoyed it greatly. Black Wall Street Chicago's Economic Summit 12 is scheduled for Saturday, May 22nd, at Holman Square, located at 3333 West Arlington, on Chicago's west side. The summit is free if you register before May 15th. Uh, if you did not know, we have three Black Wall Street districts in Chicago, the 75th Street District. Madison District and the Stony Island District. We want to reach out to all of the areas that we can. We have some potential Black Wall Street districts coming up in Chicago as well as the nation. Michael Carter, the national president for Black Wall Street, anticipates that there will be approximately 100 Black Wall Street districts in the next five years. But If you would like to register for our summit on uh, May 22nd, call us at 312-624-8351, 312-624-8351. If you register now, it is free. And we're going to let Mr. Carter tell you a little bit more about what to expect at an upcoming summit as we prepare for the first Black Wall Street National Conference coming up in Chicago, August 20th, through the 23rd. But before we get to our topic, Black Leadership, Is This the Best That We Can Do?, we want to share a couple of other items with you. Chicago's Black Business Network and Black Wall Street will be hosting a free networking event on Tuesday, May 11th at the offices of South Street Journal located at 449 East 75th Street. That's this Thursday, 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m at 449 East 75th Street, right on the first floor. Now, that sounds very early. It's a coffee, breakfast type of networking, connecting thing, but it's so much more. Bring about 100 business cards, your best business presentation, and on every half hour, we're going to do a a roll call, something like we do at the summit, and everyone uh, give a brief presentation, and we hope that you select someone uh, to connect with uh, as they do the presentations. What's going to happen that morning is several things. There's going to be a CPR demonstration. You need to call and register for that, to pre-register for that. But Dr. Catherine of Learn CPR Chicago, which is located at 820 East 87th Street, wants to give away. She wants to give away 1,000 CPR demonstrations. And these demonstrations are one hour long. They're the real thing. Because of her concerns about the health of our community, she has vowed to give away 1,000 CPR demos before May, and we want to help her do that, and you can help us do that by spreading the word. So if you want to register for one of those demonstrations on May 11th at our networking event, call 312-239-8835. I'll be happy to register you. Space is unlimited. 312-239-8835. Come over to the networking event on May 11th and register for a class. We'll be happy to see you. We're going to be serving some light refreshments, coffee. Uh, we're going to taste test different coffees, and we hope to have another vendor uh, with the energy drink so that we can taste test that. Also, you listen to Black Wall Street Chicago Black Wall Street USA with our host Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue. Tonight's topic is Black Leadership. Is this the best that we can do? And I think we're going to get an answer from um, candidate for Congress, Mr. Isaac Hayes, who's joining us as we continue that discussion. This is round two. And the first discussion was Mark S. Allen. If you missed that, you should listen to it in our archives. Uh, Mark was on fire that day, and he's ready to come back to Black Wall Street, USA. He got off the phone and said, you know, that's fun. I can do this. He enjoyed that. We enjoyed it. And we got a lot of feedback from that show. We got a lot of feedback from that show. We're still getting feedback from that show. Our calling number is 347-326-9477. Our caller number is 347 The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Press the number one if you'd like to speak to our host or our guest or me. We want to thank you for being here this evening and for sharing in this opportunity to serve African-American businesses across the nation by calling in and being part of the solution. Now, you can also listen to our show at blogtalkradio.com. Slash CBBN. You don't have to listen on the phone. You can listen on the website. Just click on our link, and you can listen to any of our shows online. Don't forget to pass our show information on to your friends. That is how we grow. That is how you grow. Our call-in number is 347-326-9477. Before we go to our guest, Mr. Isaac Hayes, who is candidate for Congress in Illinois' Second district, a seat now held by Jesse Jackson jr let's welcome our hosts to the show. How are you this evening, Mr. Carter?
3: Hi, Sonia. How are you and our listeners on this uh Thursday evening for the chicago black uh business network uh hosting with uh the black wall street um I'm great, feeling good, energized, regardless of it's the end of the week It's Still, is a huff week. It don't seem like a Thursday. It seems as though it's still a Monday where we're just getting started. And how are you doing this evening?
2: Oh, as usual, I'm doing great. It's uh, It seems like there's so much work to be done, Mr. Carter. There's just so much to do. This is a big job uh, Black Wall Street is taking on here. We've got the summit coming up May 22nd. Right. Uh so, tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about that just briefly what's going on at the summit i know you guys had a meeting i missed it but what's going on with the summit on may 22nd well this Mr.
3: summit um uh, for uh, for may 22nd is really a prelude to establishing the national agenda in which summit 13 taking place august the 20th through the 23rd so we have some chicago Business that we have to address in sustaining, and increasing black businesses, and then we got to uh, put the whole agenda together again to look at it on a national level, and that's a that's a definitely a big job as it relates to coming from an organization that's been around for over a little over three years. Now I'll take that back. Uh, the anniversary, the third anniversary, is uh, May 19th. Uh, 2007 when we started. So the agenda is very intense. Uh, we have maybe about seven agenda items that's going to be on May 22nd and that consists of our Black Wall Street districts, our Black contractors in the neighborhood, a legislative agenda of uh, uh raising the question of black versus minority, uh, the the employment uh issue, the Chicago overall looking at what is Chicago gonna look like in the year twenty forty and what's happening now as far as black businesses, uh to prepare for that plan of Chicago. And then again it's not just Chicago, it's the nation. How are we being preparing uh to face 2040, uh, and what are we doing now to plant those seeds? And so it's about sustaining and increasing the businesses that we have now, but it's also looking at what we're going to do to secure the future for the 24, 2040. And then we have some uh, products, black products, that we feel as though that if there is a parity of blacks in the particular community, then these big-box stores, such as a Walgreens, a Target, a Walmart, they have a responsibility to trade and to put these products on their shelves. So that's another issue that we have talked about some time ago, and we're getting ready to follow right back on the products that blacks produce as well. So the agenda is always uh, intense. And the resolutions keep coming, and we keep uh, putting them out there and engaging the community to pass resolutions on making things happen on that moment, opposed to what we want to do. So yeah, you know, the agenda is intense, and you know, being the our summit coordinator, it's a lot of it is falling right on Sonia's lap. Thank you very much, Sonia, for stepping up to the plate. Don't you feel good about it?
2: I feel great about it, Mr. Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead and put me on that spot. I feel right. great about it. Uh, it's you know I I love a challenge. It's, it, and it is a challenge. If any who whoever is listening, if you listen to all those agenda items, each and every one of those agenda items is a huge test in oh, yeah. and of itself. Definitely. If Black Wall Street mm-hmm. took one of them, <laughs> it would still mm-hmm. be tremendous. If they took the job issue, it would still be tremendous. If they took the parity issue, it would still be tremendous. So as you ch- take on every one of these topics, every one of these right. agenda items, it's a, this, it's a tremendous job. But it has to be done, and they have to, it has to be addressed. And, I, and I'd and i like to say uh, we do appreciate Mr. Carter over here at Black Wall Street Chicago. This is a huge job. And as a matter of fact, we can't do this without you. We can't do this. This without you. We're reaching out to the community. As a matter of fact, uh, Ron has confirmed this week that Black Wall Street is going to have an open board and committee meeting on Tuesday, May 18th at the South Shore Library located at 2505 East 73rd Street. And we're going to continue to get those invites out. We're going to leave some flyers over there at the library because we want you to come and not listen and not watch but be a part of it because. It cannot be done without you. This is so important. Uh, so sure. can you tell our listeners just how important it is for them to come in and be part of the board and committee meetings, and not only of the summit, but during the interim every week, Ron?
3: Well, I think the difference about uh, Black Wall Street and as we discussed in our meeting today is that we have the responsibility of not of an organization but of the responsibility of a Black Wall Street movement. And we're using the term Black Wall Street just as many people use the term African American, is that it don't belong to anyone. It belongs to whoever accepts that title as an African American. So people accept the title Black Wall Street as it relates to them. You know, you have Black Wall Street Games, Black Wall Street uh, um, rappers, Black Wall Street records, Black Wall Street financial services. So the responsibility that we have is to nourish a a movement. And so when you have this type of movement, it's important that we engage the a community and take in taking ownership. Uh, and I think that part of it is, Sonia, when you introduce and, and set us up not just to wait for the community to come to Black Wall Street meeting, but we're taking those meetings out to the districts so that we can have discussion and able to engage people in the black experience. And that black experience is a Black Wall Street district to take responsibility and ownership because we all know that we're not in parity of the economics of our community as others, except this one particular district, which is 75th Street in Chicago, and another district that is Stony Island. It is not imperative to the population of the community, but it is on a good base of being, I believe it's about 60% of those businesses are black, which sometimes we think that is a rarity but it's definitely not in parity to the city of Chicago as a whole. So our responsibility with Black Wall Street is not to take on an ownership of an organization, but to engage the community at large to take on the ownership of a Black Wall Street movement. And it's not to the point of just Black. Sonia, you took on the responsibility of interviewing a uh, Mid Eastern Pakistan business person that's on the 75th Street Black Wall Street District, we had some issues uh, with that particular uh, Pakistani uh, businessman, but he ended up turning uh, to be a friend of the Black Wall Street movement, and he have engaged in partnership with other Black businesses in helping to sustain and increase. So people not necessarily looking at the Black Wall Street as a black movement, but it is something that has to be done to um i guess turn around the negativity of idle time and idle minds that get into negative activity within the community. I'm like um Webb Evans, the uh uh, we can call him the godfather by black. He said, if we take care of the economics in our community just like others, we will not see the violence, the crime, and the drugs that is uh, being filtered into certain parts of our community. So it's not a black Wall Street organization. It's a black Wall Street movement and that we are engaging by coming out to these communities and having somewhat of not just a hearing, but we're also having a hearing of participation to make this happen. So as you say, Sonia, it's not a a, a small task. Uh, we have a long way to go reflecting on many of the topics that was on the Chicago Black Business Network. I've gained a lot. I learned a lot. And we hope that other people to come on in, and especially with our topic tonight Black leadership, uh, a carryover from previous, is not necessarily the start, but it's definitely not the, uh, the finish as we engage the grassroots in accountability as well as leadership. So we're feeling good, regardless of the pressure, to make a responsibility to sustaining and increasing black businesses.
2: Thank you, Mr. Carter. And I want to remind them that that meeting, that open board and committee meeting, will be held Tuesday, May 18th at the South Shore Library, located at 2505 East 73rd Street. And we want each of you to join us. We're going to schedule, as we go along, uh, leading up to the national conference, we're going to reach out into the community and we're going to have some more um, open meetings. We want you to be a part of this. Uh, Because we have the meetings with Thursday morning uh, 830 830, at 449 East 35th Street. Mm -hmm. And we do understand that everyone cannot make a morning meeting. So we're going to do what we need to do. We're going to reach out to the community. We're going to be in the community. We hope to do Avalon coming up uh, on the 24th. And we hope to uh, go to the West Side, reach into the heart of the West Side. Mr. Carterfield was checking the list of libraries, and he's saying there's only two libraries right in the heart of the West Side. We're going to check into that a little bit further, Mr. Carter, uh, and right. see if there is indeed a disparity there uh, in those locations. But we're going to look a little further in that. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with your host, Ron Carter. Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago, I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black Business Network.com. Join us today and touch the world. Our call in number is 347 326 9477. The chat room is open. Leave your company information and website links in the chat room. Ron, let's bring our first guest on, Mr. Isaac Hayes, candidate for Congress in the 2nd District. Welcome to the show, Mr. Hayes. Sonia. Oh, yeah.
3: How you doing? Okay. Um how, you doing, Ron. how are you doing Okay, I'm doing very good. How about yourself this evening?
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing great be well, well, on and talk with you.
3: Right, well we we appreciate that. Um and thank you for also from coming to not only uh, the summit, but you also came to some of the Black Wall Street uh committee meetings as well. And um so you're keeping your eye on Black Wall Street as i know that you have to be keeping your eye not only on the uh, second district but the city as a whole as you're running for uh, congressman of the second district uh,
0: absolutely and uh, i would i would say outside of the city you know i've been working with some of the residents in ford heights which has a 53% poverty rate and uh, they have no businesses at all and so uh, You know, we were able to do a boycott of a store, and we got it shut down because uh, they committed a violent act on some of the teens in the community. So now we're trying to figure out what's the next step. And I think what you're doing with Black Wall Street uh, Chicago is important for them because they want to open up some type of co-op to provide, you know, fresh produce and and hire some of the kids in the community and things of that nature. And so I think if we expand that to, you know, the larger Cook County, that would be an excellent, excellent movement. Mm -hmm. Well,
3: I do wanna get into uh who you are and what you're about, but I also I didn't know that you was involved in that that demonstration um with those with that with that particular store. Uh, now can you give me a, a little um you know, for our listeners a little background on uh what that consists of? Or
0: yeah, what happened? He has a a brother by the name of Hakima. uh, His son, who was 14, and a couple more boys, I guess, went in the store, and, uh, you know, the the liquor store, because that's all they got in Fort Heights is is a couple of liquor stores and one gas station. And uh, I guess they was probably taunting these brothers, because they weren't from uh, our community, and uh, long short of it is that, you know, they end up locking the door uh, of the store and uh, assaulted the – uh, Mr. Hakima's son. And so uh, they reached out to law enforcement and to the you know Fort Heights Village officials and really couldn't get any justice and so they decided to stand out on Lincoln Highway in front of the store and right off of uh, uh Bishop Ford and uh boycott it and and they did that for about 2 2 weeks or so and and finally the uh, Cook County um uh, Board of Health came in and, and shut the store down you know, because of some code violations, but it was really a testament to the tenacity and, and refusal of the community just to be looked over and accept any kind of treatment. And so uh, you know, we were out there protesting with them on a couple of Saturdays, and we submitted a few press releases that were able to get the, uh, the father on some radio shows and things of that nature to tell his story, and, and in this case the people won.
3: Mm-hmm. So could you, um, as, as the, the subject of our uh, program is about black leadership, how do you illustrate exactly what happened? Because it wasn't initially a particular known black leader that took that lead. But So how do you describe what happened based on was there leadership or was that leadership that developed upon an issue?
0: Yeah, I, I would say it was an issue-oriented uh, leadership in that, you know, the father took the the uh, ship by the helm and the community came out. I mean, you could see literally hundreds of people uh, out on, on Lincoln Highway with signs, and, you know, they had barbecue grills out there to feed the people, and they was passing out literature as the cars stopped at the light. I mean, it was a real operation. And so the father took the lead, obviously, uh, but I would say it was a, a citizen movement. And I think it's what you're trying to encompass is that there's no one figure or person, uh, you know, who's going to take the mantle and sort of be the person we all follow. It, it takes a community effort. Uh, it takes the all hands on deck because we all have something to contribute. And I think, you know, the saying is that, you know, we're stronger uh, together than we are in a few numbers, and so I, I just try to encourage, and I think this uh, Ford Heights incident was an, an opportunity for people to see that uh, we're, when we work together, we all become leaders and not have to rely on one individual.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, we definitely have to get, we did not get that press information to South Street Journal newspaper, but I definitely want to follow up with you because we definitely want to get that in our newspaper based on that that move that actually, uh uh, not only the frustration, but took on implementation through frustration. Um, if we can, um, Mr. Hayes, I think when I first um, met you and I first heard your name, it naturally, eyes bucked and said, who? Uh, I guess almost as similar to when I state my name, Ron Carter. Uh, but who is uh, Isaac Hayes, and can you give us a background on who you are, then what you're about to do, and especially taking on a particular if we will say leadership in the uh black community,
0: yes i uh was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. I grew up on uh, both sides of Woodline, ended up graduating from high Park and ended up at Illinois State University, where I became a member of the black Student union and was the leading voice on campus for african-american students it, it was very illinois state that i got my first taste of uh, per public service and, and advocacy on behalf of our people and uh, after i graduated with my degree in information systems i came back home to chicago and uh, began working with inner city youth at the uh, apostolic church of god which uh, was under the pastorate of bishop arthur brazier now dr byron brazier and uh 2006, 2006 started my own organization heat on the street ministries which is really targeted toward uh, troublemakers the guys and gangs uh, going into prisons and county jails and id homes speaking with our people to try to encourage them to turn their lives around going to uh, trouble boys schools and, and speaking with them uh, in their language to try to get them to value education and to put the guns down and, and pick up the books and so uh Did some professional work in uh, the mortgage industry and in the uh, sales industry and ended up uh, three years ago getting hired at Apostolic uh, to get paid for what I was doing as a volunteer. And so that's where I'm currently employed with their youth ministry. We provide uh, religious programming, educational programming, cultural awareness programs for about 3,500 youth, and I would say 99.9% of them are, are black. And uh, just decided that after, um, you know, uh, giving away food and clothing to the homeless, uh, feeding the poor, I felt like it was time to take my service to our community to the next level. And that's when I decided to uh, run for Congress because I feel that after 16 years, when you have a Ford Heights with a 53% poverty rate, when you walk through Bixmore or the 7th Ward or the 6th Ward of Chicago, we don't see much economic development and what I call community economies where black people own the businesses and hire people from those communities, uh, then I think we need a change of leadership, and I believe we can do better.
3: Mm-hmm. So we're taking the idea of leadership uh, versus or in relationship to elected officials, um, meaning that, in my understanding, elected officials mean representation. Uh, Leadership is more of taking on the mantle. Can you uh, distinguish the two or is it the same as being a leader and being an elected official? Is there a dividing line or is it the same?
0: There are there is a dividing line, and an elected official is uh, put in office to represent the will of the people. You know, particularly you know, I'm running for the House of Representatives, so my responsibility would be to reflect and vote according to the will of the 650,000 people in the second district of Illinois. Leadership requires vision. You know, do you have someone who has the vision to uh, create investment, the vision to fight for capital seed grants for brothers and sisters whose credit is jacked up because they did the dummy like me in college and got free credit cards and went, wow, you know, if you got a good business plan at a committee of uh, business executives think it's okay, why not uh, have a, a pool of money for capital grants to give $30,000 or, you know, $40,000, $15,000 to open up a That's a Burger or, or Kurtz Barbecue. Um, so that requires vision. Vision is, taking the Pullman district, which used to be a manufacturing area, and re- revitalizing it to have green job uh, with wind turbine creation and solar panels. You know, uh, vision requires bringing one of President Obama's five clean coal plants to Fort Heights, Chicago Heights area so that we put those brothers to work. And so leadership requires vision, and right now we don't have that.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you think that it is a um... – when you take on a role as leadership to run for public office, um, do you, for example, uh, the church that you are a member of is on 63, and you provide a sense of leadership uh, with the church, uh, but that church is not in the 2nd uh, Congressional District, or is it?
0: No, it is not. No, it's in the first. Okay.
3: So do you still provide that leadership that will some kind of way represent that first district when you're – because, see, some politicians or elected officials, what I've heard, uh, based on theirs in the issue that is outside of their uh, representation area, will say, that is not in my area. I'm not going to – address that issue because that uh, issue is in that particular uh, ward or that particular district. And if you want uh, some representation in on that particular issue, because you don't live in my district, and if you don't live in my district, I'm not going to um, engage myself on that particular issue because that may be crossing the boundaries to my uh, colleague. How do you handle that or is that appropriate and is that the difference between the the thin line of leadership and elected official?
0: Well, again, uh, leadership is, uh, if you talk about suspending the payroll tax for one year, it doesn't matter if you live in the first district or the third district or the second, you're going to be positively impacted by that. When we talk about uh, allocating federal dollars for a choice where that your kid can now go to a charter school or the parent can be reimbursed for homeschooling or sending their, their child to the parochial school like a Salem Baptist Church or House of Hope which has their own parochial school. Those parishioners can now have dollars that would pay for their child's education to go to a, a, a church's uh, educational system that they patron. So there are policies we can put in place that are not specific to a particular district and broadly impact the greater community.
3: Well, let me take this uh, scenario based on when we were addressing the Black Wall Street district on 75th Street, is that our elected official, uh, that our office is on 35th Street, the uh, Black Wall Street district on 75th Street, and as we approach um, representatives next door to us, Will Burns, about supporting the Black Wall Street district on 75th Street, he took the position that it is not in my district, that I wouldn't want to help pass some legislation, even though it is a right legislation and it's a just legislation. Excuse me. I'm not going to address it because it's out of my district. Do you feel as though upon being elected congressman of the, uh, uh, of the second district that there are certain legislative issues, in say, in the first district or the seventh district, that you feel as though we'll be crossing the boundaries to address it when it's in your colleague's district? And I'm asking that question based on leadership versus the role of an elected official.
0: Well, you know, one of the things when I talk with, you know, potential supporters who are not, you know, members of my district or who don't even live in the state of Illinois, you know, my vote in Congress impacts every American citizen. Uh, So whether, like, say, you're in the second district, whether you're in California's 10th, every vote I I cast in Congress impacts everybody. But if we take your specific scenario there, um, I would support the Black Wall Street, uh, even though, you know, 75th and, and, and uh, Cottage Grove is not in my district. Uh, but It's in the first, but I would support that endeavor uh, because a clear example of that is the, the Harlem uh, Children's Zone. Uh, we're now doing that in, in Woodlawn. Our church is doing the Woodlawn Prime Zone, and we're collaborating with them. So if we're able to get a Black Wall Street movement started on 75th and Cottage Grove, we can then partner with them to get it on 75th in exchange and learn from your best practices, learn from your you know, ups and downs, and we can make 75th a, a longer strip as opposed from a, you know, a king drive to cottage. We could take it all the way across to the lakefront. And so I would be willing to invest in another community to eventually replicate that in my district as well, particularly if it's successful.
3: Mm-hmm. Um. Let's talk if I can to talk about leadership again and black leadership versus leadership. Um there is an instance and I will take myself in position of being uh initially starting off being a newspaper publisher. And as I continued to publish a newspaper as time went by I felt myself becoming to be a black newspaper publisher. Um, how do you engage yourself and distinguish between being a black elected official and just an elected official?
1: What well, do you? I
0: mean, yeah, we yeah. uh I, 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 you know, as as a conservative,
4: <laughs> you know,
0: we try not to. Uh, be specific, to race. Not not that we ignore it. You know, I'm a member of the Black Student Union. I attend a predominantly black church, and you know, I refer to myself as a black Republican, black conservative. So, um, you know, we're all aware of that. But you know, when I look at my district, obviously there's a Hispanic population I would have to represent. There's a you know, Caucasian uh, population I would have to represent, as well as some other ethnicities. And so, as a legislator, a federal legislator. Um, I would have to represent the entire district, uh, but there's certainly an affinity and appreciation for uh, the black community because I am black. I'm more sensitive to the issues of the black community. I know the problems and the pitfalls uh, that our community experiences. You know, my mother was shot and left for dead. You know, she's alive, thank God. So I I know firsthand uh, about poverty and growing up in the hood, and so. Uh, While I am here to represent everybody, I believe my experiences growing up in Woodlawn will be beneficial to the black community because I believe approaching issues that have have lasted for 40 years with a free market conservative approach will make a difference because it will be a new leadership approach to a problem that have plagued us for four decades.
3: Mm-hmm. So then, um, the other—I uh, was on an elevator maybe about a couple of weeks ago, and it just uh, in the uh, the county building, going up the elevator, and all of a sudden somebody said, "How you doing, Ron Carter?" And I looked up, and it was uh, Commissioner uh, Tony Paraka. <laughs> I
0: mean,
3: um, i did mean say <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I was going to say that. <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, did you hear about that conversation I no, had with
0: him? No, I, I, I didn't, but as soon as you said commissioner and somebody saying, well, I, I knew who you were going to say. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, on that elevator,
3: we was going up the elevator uh, with, a, with a crowd of people on it. Uh, he did bring up the question. He said, uh, I don't know when you black people are going to hurry up and get it together and realize that the Democratic Party is not going to be uh, sensitive to you all's agenda, And until the African-American realize that and come on over to the Republican Party, uh, you're going to continue to see and witness the same results. Um, and taking that in consideration, I go back to another scenario when the black community was uh, boycotting the Chicago Sun-Times, because the Sun-Times did something, or now they endorsed it, George Bush at the time. Uh, that was, yeah, when the George Bush first ran, the Chicago Sun-Times en- endorsed Bush. And so I was wondering why are the blacks uh, being all upset about the Chicago Sun-Times when the Chicago Tribune uh, did the same thing? And so I asked the Chicago Tribune, I interviewed them and said, why aren't blacks boycotting the Tribune? And he said because the Tribune, their editorial position is that they are consistent. And it was the black community that turned its back on the Republican Party and not the Republican Party turning its back on the black community. So the black community realized that we are consistent, we are Republicans, and it's the blacks that switch from Republicans to uh, Democrats. So the blacks know no need to boycott us when we endorse George Bush. And they went on to say that because it's our turn. Uh, Bill Clinton did a good time, had a good time, and, and did what he did, but it is our turn now, so we are endorsing George Bush. So, with that in mind, what made you become a republican yeah I'm happy from to uh that. attorney Perco's statement to the Chicago Tribune statement
0: yeah you know, i'm I'm happy to address that issue of a question about why I became Republican. Let me say that I agree with the President when he was running for office and even in his speech in o four that it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat or independent green party whatever libertarian you know we are divided into three groups: conservatives. Liberals and and moderates, you know there are conservatives in both groups. there are liberals in both groups. there's moderates in both groups and so i am I am a conservative who happens to be republican, and the reason I became a Republican is because of my uh, position on family values. I believe in the protection of uh, innocent life, the sanctity of life of an unborn child, and even of the elderly. And I believe in the sanctity of marriage between one man and one woman. And so because of my Christian values and what I believe the Bible uh, upholds, I felt that that was in contradiction to the Democratic Party overall. And so I couldn't support a party that went against, against my uh, religious beliefs. And uh, I tell people all the time, if the Republican Party changes its position on those two issues, I'll no longer be a Republican. So... Um, I'm, I'm by Republican by conviction and not by convenience. Obviously, in regards to uh, Commissioner Parake, um, you know, I try to stay away from uh, you know those type of statements and just educate people on what I stand for. Um, obviously, I believe the Democratic Party has taken the Black community at least for granted. When I look at 75th and Cottage and 75th and Yates and see. 40 years of failed policies i think at the least we need to try something different don't have to be republican but we at least need to try a new approach because what we're getting is not working and i've had many people admit and concede that point that what we got in working with the high unemployment the 20s crime prevalent same amount of boys being slaughtered in the streets of chicago that we have our soldiers in iraq and afghanistan um, lack of small business investment. You know, we've got to do something different. Failing schools, 54% of our kids graduate from Chicago public schools. So why would we continue to support policies that have hurt us uh, significantly? And so uh, I don't try to convert anybody to a party, but I ask to look at every candidate, see if you agree with their, their values, if you agree with their vision, and if you agree with the values and vision, then give them your vote and not be wedded to a party on either side. I would vote for a conservative democrat over a liberal republican any day and so and i have no problem saying that
3: mm-hmm. so that means that uh so i'm hearing you say that you will vote for a democrat
0: yeah if, if he was or she was pro-life and pro-traditional marriage and the republican was pro-choice yes i would vote for the pro-life democrat
3: Okay. Now, based on leadership, uh, just kind of go back to that when we. And that's, it's very interesting that you're on our program this season as we uh, talk about leadership and uh, elected official and politics. How do uh, the the community at large identify with leadership? With politics, how does it make it? Easy? You know the old term: all politicians are are, are not uh, trustworthy, are not uh, 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 worthy. They all lie. They all cheat. Uh, and then I want to take this a little bit deeper: is that you are a minister? Is that correct? That is correct. And how do the community perceive? I mean, you have a real identity here uh as a minister, so which one comes first? being a black leader, being a minister, or being um devoted to your political party, and how do you balance those three roles that you have?
0: Sure, well, yeah, I think if you talk to most Christians, they'll tell you that it's God, family, and community uh that that's the way we've been taught and trained that God comes first, then your family comes first, and uh, second, and then whatever service to your community or country would be third. Uh, I am, first and foremost, always Christian. That supersedes the color of my skin, my nationality uh, as an American, and uh, you know, whatever party I, I belong to, that, that, that comes first, and that, that's why that guides my politics, and politics doesn't guide my faith. I um uh, understand people's concern with uh, politics, and I believe we do need uh, honesty and integrity in our elected officials. You know the current representative, whether or not he tried to buy the President obama's former United States Senate seat, uh, he certainly doesn't know how to spell his wife's name yet he gave her a half a million dollars in uh, campaign contributions and payment for services to him, and he's being investigated for using his congressional staff for campaign purposes by the House Ethics Committee. So he has a lot of issues. And the 2nd District in general has had three consecutive congressmen at least clouded in scandal, and it's put an embarrassment on our on our district. I would say the last three. who wants to know my character, who wants to know my integrity, that there are 20,000 members of the Apostolic Church of God who can vouch for my character and vouch for my values. I've worked with every organization in that church but the women, and that's because I'm not a woman. I work with the youth, young adults, men, all in leadership capacities. And so um, I would offer them the opportunity to come and speak with anyone at that congregation. I don't believe Bishop Arthur M. would have hired me uh, if my uh, character and integrity wasn't one that he could trust. And so I would use that as my evidence of uh, something different in terms of my call to uh, ministry, I see this as part of that. When I was at uh, Illinois State and I joined a Black Student Union, it was there I knew that there was uh, something there that was inspiring me to be a leader in a black community. I didn't know how that would play out, uh, but I knew that my service to our community would be in an activist position where I would advocate for jobs, I would advocate for equality, that a black man would be treated the same way as a white man, that we would have equal pay, opportunity for equal employment. And so uh, this is just an extension of that. And I would point uh, some of our Christians and, and non-Christians to uh, people in the Bible like Nehemiah, like Daniel, the three Hebrew boys, Esther, who all served in secular governments, yet they were people of God. And so it's not a contradiction. It's just an expansion of my, my service to him.
3: When we look at leadership,
0: and not only the individual, but probably
3: the, the times that we are in now, um, as one of the uh, leaders indicated, we are in a fourth movement of the black uh, community. The first movement was the uh, 1865, the end of slavery and then the uh one uh, another movement was the uh the voting rights uh the votings rights uh, the right act then uh, another movement was the um, uh, the the fair housing and job uh movement and then we're on the movement of the uh economic uh parity of the American Dream. Um, does movements influence leadership, or do leadership influence movements? And do you agree with those four movements, or is there something other, another movement that um, inspire you into leadership?
0: Uh, well, Was that a fair uh, question? There? <laughs> I think I would say this. Let me speak from um, my end of the track here on the on the on the black conservative black Republican spectrum. This year, we have uh, the most black candidates uh, in, the, in the history, of of the uh, nation running as re- Republicans who are black. You have some who are doing exceptionally well, uh, like Allen West, Lieutenant Colonel Allen West in Florida. Uh, Ryan Frazier in Colorado, who have a great chance of winning uh, their elections. And I say all that, and when we talk about movements inspiring leadership, is that President Obama's election, uh, whether or not you agree with his his politics or not, uh, proves that color is not a barrier to achieving uh, high heights. And there were many people, many who were black, that never thought white people would vote for a black president, but he had a good number of white Republicans that voted for him. It was, just, was not just all uh, Democrats, and it was not just all black people. It was white Republicans who supported him because they wanted something different. He represented change, and I use that as an analogy that many black Republicans are running this year across the country because just as people didn't think whites would vote for the president, President Obama, there are people who think black Democrats won't vote for a black Republican, but his election inspired so many people to say, you know what, what do I have to lose? I've worked in the community, I've served my country, and I'm willing to stand up and fight for what I believe in. And if I sell my message to the community and to the voters, I believe in the end they'll vote based on the person and not on the party. And I believe his nomination, his election, inspired other people to come out of the woodworks and attack their fears. Uh, but in terms of where we are in that continuum of, of black progress, if I can use that word, is I think we're at this place where it has to be a black ownership uh, society where we are controlling the businesses in our community. You know, When we don't control our mock market like black hair products, we don't control you know nail uh, manicure, those services that are specific and unique to the black community, when you don't control that, then you're at a disadvantage. And so we need to take control of our own economies and our own markets, just like the Mexicans and and the Mexican food and the Chinese and, and Chinese food. We need to gain control of our markets and develop what I call the community economy so that money circulates from hand to hand between residents and not get taken out of our community elsewhere. And so that's where I think this next movement is, is we're going to develop what do you want to call it? Enterprise zones or whatever. But I like community economies where we're in control of our dollars and we're in control of our markets.
3: Right. Well, that uh, analysis was from uh, Jesse Jackson, uh, senior. So I didn't want to uh, <laughs> engage where well, it came from. until afterwards, but let's um, let's take a break, and I uh, want you to hold on after this break because we want to engage a little bit more with you. Is that okay? That's great. All right. Sonia.
2: I'm here. Thank you so much. You're listening to Black Wall Street USA with your host, Mr. Ron Carter, Chairman of Black Wall Street Chicago. I'm Sonia Perdue, founder of Chicago's Black We'll be right back with our guest, Mr. Isaac Hayes, candidate for Congress for the 2nd District. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Hayes. We'll
1: be right back. All eyes on Chicago, August 20th through the 23rd, as Chicago welcomes the first annual Black Wall Street National Conference. Joining us in our efforts in sustaining and increasing black business. To register, visit www.blackwallstreetdistrict.com and listen to Black Wall Street USA Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com slash This ad was sponsored by Chicago's black business Network.com. Join us today and touch the world. Thank you.
2: Welcome back to Black Wall Street USA. That was tenderly by Chicago's Black Business Network member, Boise Queen. Come over and join us and be a part of all that we do on Chicago's Black Business Network.com. And uh, we look forward to connecting and working with each of you. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. I think I got too relaxed on that tenderly. Uh, Boise Queen is an exceptional pianist and composer. Our caller number is 347-326-9477. If you would like a commercial spot showcased on Black Wall Street USA, give us a call at 312-239-8835. 312-239-8835. Let's go back to our guest, Mr. Ron Carter.
3: And um uh, Mr. Uh, Hayes, yeah. you still with us? I'm still here. Okay. Um let me kind of jump right into the um uh, the subject matter of how uh, we're still looking at this uh leadership. Uh, but we're looking at it also as a political agenda, even as it relates to you, um, and even as we look at the the legacy, if I will say about the uh, your opponent um, Jesse Jackson Jr., uh, the leadership of him versus politics. And if I can look at it from a, a questionnaire that South Street Journal normally asks of candidates, is that have you met with uh, your opponent to discuss your displeasure?
0: Um, we we have met. And, uh, you know, it, it was at uh, a community uh, a town hall forum, so we didn't have much time to uh, Talk other than him agreeing to to do a debate with me um but uh i I have called his office several times and expressed my uh displeasure with some of his uh votes on certain issues that were you know up for for call uh but I haven't had a chance to do that personally mm-hmm.
3: so do you look at the in in and, and, and in politics is if we look at politics the same way a businessman uh, counts, a businessman counting money and in politics, are you counting votes opposed to the message, or what comes first, the tailoring your message to the votes or tailoring your message to a platform?
0: I would have to say it would be the latter of the two if I had to choose between those. Um, I'm, I'm tailoring my message based upon, upon my convictions and how I want to lead this district. So when you talk about school choice, as you know, we've uh, fortunately been able to get uh, Reverend Meeks to support this initiative now and to see it as we see it, you know, that requires leadership. Leadership is not going along with the pack, but leadership is taking tough stances and making tough decisions uh, that the status quo does not necessarily embrace. And so you know, leadership requires making decisions that are unpopular uh, in the face of adversity when you see that we're going in the wrong direction. You know, I, I ride in, in the car with my wife all the time, and and sometimes she, she has to tell me, you're going the wrong direction. I think you should have turned back there. And I might not like it, but, uh, you know, if I look at the map she, and she's right, I have to turn around That's leadership. And so if I'm saying to our community, that you know, we need to reverse course. It may not be popular with certain special interest groups, but if it's in the best interest of our community, uh, that's best leadership. And so, my message of school choice, of you know, safer neighborhoods, of small business investment, and open up for Walmart and other uh, big box stores to bring entry level jobs. That may not be popular with the status quo, but when you have 50% teen unemployment, we can't continue to. Uh, stand for the status quo. Mm-hmm. So uh,
3: looking at the mic, if I will, and if that's a fair statement to say, of the um, uh, your opponent, uh, Congressman uh, Jackson, and as you look at uh, the trail where he has, um, has, has he built somewhat of an army of support uh, when it comes to, Reverend Meeks, when it comes to even as far south of, I mean, as far as north as the uh, the, the the third ward, and as he kind of project himself with the uh, the leadership opposed to uh, the second congressional district, what are you think that I mean? How did you assess that you are able to actually win?
0: You know, I, I didn't enter this race, you know, based upon uh, polls or based upon whether or not, you know, I felt I could win. I, I got into this race because I was fed up and, and tired of business as usual. Obviously, I, I want to win, or I wouldn't uh, be home late at night with my wife and, and uh, spending less and less time with her, and investing so much time and energy in those of the people who are working me and supporting my campaign, who have husbands and wives and children and making sacrifices for me as well. And so I'm running because I want to win. I believe we can win uh, because this year, like no other, is a, a year where people are unhappy with incumbents. And if you look after 16 years of him being in office, there is no substantive improvement that you can look to as far as job creation, small business development, Schools or crime. And that's why City News, a black newspaper out here in the south suburbs, and Will and Cook and, and uh, Kane County, they endorsed me because they said that after 16 years, this guy has done nothing. And while we've supported Congressman Jackson in the past, we believe that Isaac Hayes offers a new and better direction. And so, uh, you know, you just can't run over your family name, you have to run over results. In 16 years, there's nothing we can point to that would give him reason to remain in office.
3: Well, I asked uh, Congressman Jackson this particular question uh, uh, maybe about two or three years ago. And as he was uh, campaigning for the third airport of Piatone, I raised the question that – what about gary indiana uh because of the gary indiana is basically just as close to chicago and the economics of black people that it will engage in um, and bringing all that attention to gary and based on that the southeast side of Chicago will receive as much of the economic development because of close proximity to Gary, Indiana. His uh, response was that, uh, yes, there is a major um, uh, economic development that needs to be uh, done for Gary, Indiana. particularly with the uh the black uh community that is there but the Gary Indiana is not in the second congressional district and that is my agenda not necessarily what this will be doing for the economic growth of blacks in Gary Indiana how do you respond to that type of uh a position of his? Well, I,
0: I think it's apparent, and, and this is the out-of-touch uh, mentality that he has. One, he lives in Washington, D.C. His kids are enrolled in private school there. He's not in touch with the members of his district who are electing him into office. And you know, I don't know if he's been there so long in Congress that he's just gotten comfortable, but uh, people are upset. I am at events where they're asking, where is the congressman? We are happy to see someone who's looking to represent us, is actually able to be touched and, and communicated with. And in regards to this airport, you know, I am uh, un- undecided. Um, I, I like the idea of an airport, uh, but there are a lot of questions. Uh, one is this issue of are the people of the 2nd District going to get jobs in a Pietone airport, uh, irrespective of the color of skin, because you still have Flossmore and Homewood and Lansing and other places where, you know, there are large portions of, 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 of non-black people. And so it's not about the color of skin, but I, I am concerned that how we're going to ensure that the members of this district benefit from that from that airport. Uh, the second is right now, I would like to see a halt on eminent domain. And in, in this economic climate, uh, people are losing their homes and farms when this airport has not even been approved. And so I think there are some things taking place that first we have to have these questions addressed. And then I guess finally, is uh, we don't have any airplanes on board yet, uh, so we, we have any carriers who've agreed to do business out of that that uh, airport, and so there are a lot of questions. And so it would be nice to uh, see investment in maybe a Gary airport, if again the people of of the second district would, would benefit from that. But I would need to see more plans, more information. Uh, before I, I cast my vote, but I do like the idea of having an airport and, and creating jobs as long as it's going to benefit the members of my district
3: okay, so then what? even though you do cover the north uh i'm sorry the uh the southeast uh end of Chicago with the uh second congressional district uh do you see that there would be a fair representation of uh, economic growth and jobs if Gary Airport was more focused, put on Gary Airport, or is that a a mute issue with you when we're talking about a third airport for the Chicagoland area?
0: No, it isn't. Um, we talked about this earlier uh, with, you know, the uh, scenario you gave with one of the representatives who didn't want to invest in, in the Black Wall Street 75th project. And so um, we have to look at the broader perspective. You know, it would be nice if I could ride to the Gary Airport as opposed to driving to O'Hare. I mean, that would be a lot more convenient. Uh, It would certainly be good to see people uh, put to work in in the Dixmore and those areas of Harvey who could ride over and and get jobs. Uh, But for me, the main thing is, is the 2nd District, Going to see some type of of benefit uh, from from this airport uh, because we would be putting resources. I would like to see direct investment in the second district in addition to investing in a Gary and possibly a Pietone airport you know all both of those uh scenarios are not directly impacted in my district, and I would like to see a combination of supporting those and putting jobs right here so people can, you know, drive, you know, two miles to work or catch the bus five miles to work and not have to go all the way to Pietone or to Gary. Mm-hmm. Well,
3: um I asked him that question uh based on the uh the agenda of Black Wall Street, uh, as well, and that is because the uh Black Wall Street Chicago have met with uh, uh Mayor Rudy uh, and, and looking at that as becoming a Black Wall Street district. And so we're looking at the overall uh, uh, spectrum of uh, the city of Gary. Uh, based on, again, looking at our main Black Wall Street district, uh, keeping in mind the relationship that we have with Arab businesses for a Black Wall Street district, would you be uh, inclined to meet with the mayor of Gary uh, and considering uh, those possibilities?
0: Yeah, I I would uh, be happy to meet with uh, the mayor of of Gary. One of the things I talk about, even when we look at leadership, is, you know, when I'm elected uh, congressman, my goal is to meet with the city and and the southern suburban uh, communities and ask for regional plans, you know, not you know, what what's the 7th Ward plan, what's the 8th Ward's plan, what's the 10th Ward, but give me a plan where you all come together. And so when we look at a South Suburban community plan, Gary could certainly be incorporated into that uh, so that we have a larger infrastructure as opposed to looking at, you know, my particular community or my particular city. And so, yes, I think that would fit in there in a larger framework of, of trying to have regional plans that I can go to, Congress and and get money for the support.
3: Well, as we get ready to uh, close out the show, um, I can give a scenario again as uh, Reverend Meeks ran for uh, uh, Illinois Senate. Uh, When he ran for the Illinois Senate, which is the uh, far south side of Chicago, People on the north end, the north um, end of the south side, wanted to vote for Reverend Meeks because they looked for a change. Um, Is your campaign able to reach a consciousness that even though people outside of your district would be interested in supporting you? given the fact that you're running as a Republican.
0: Yes, Um, and, and here's the thing. My goal is to make Illinois 2nd District a model for other large black districts across the country because we've tried it one way and it hasn't worked. And so we talk about removing barriers so that small businesses can get started. Open up small business loans, the 504 loans, so that we can get access to those small business loans, providing seed capital grants to small businesses, you know, starting a police surge to put more police on the street, making sure every kid in, in our district has a laptop. But, is uh,
3: but isn't uh, police, is that more of a local initiative more than a federal congressional initiative? Well, how do you relate to that based on uh, congressmen opposed to aldermen addressing police issues?
0: Well, I, I mean in terms of federal dollars. If if, if we have a uh, staffing issue in terms of officers, then my job is to make sure that the city of Chicago gets enough dollars so that we can hire enough officers. But when I'm saying when we look at unemployment Uh, When we see the number of people employed increase, when we see the number of small businesses and just businesses in general increase in our community, when we see crime go down and test scores of our students improve, that will be the stimulus that will encourage other people to want to support and see an emulation of what we're doing in the second district. I don't believe in talking big. I believe in leading by results, results results-oriented leadership where you allow the statistics to speak for themselves. And when I say when you look at what we're getting now, the statistics don't support continuing down this path. And if we change course try free market, free enterprise opportunities where we allow entrepreneurs to do what they do best, and that's create jobs, up to 80% of jobs over the last 10 years, we will see a change in our community. And that will be the proof pudding that will encourage people to try my way. Mm -hmm.
3: Okay. Well, then, as we uh, close out this show, and uh, I would uh, entertain that we would like to see you at our next uh, summit that's going to be on May 22nd, and even to the point that not just having you as a participant at this particular summit, but to have you on the agenda as we look at the overall city planning, and not just as a, a candidate, but as in the capacity of a leadership that you are. Uh, and, and in closing out, do you have a uh, particular message that you would want to try to uh, help the, our listeners to um, uh, take in full consideration regarding your candidacy?
0: Yes, and and thank you for having me, uh, Ryan. It's good to speak with you again, and I think Sonia has uh, contact information for my staff, and if you you all would give me that about the summit and some of the other items you mentioned, uh, we we will get started on that. Uh, My website is www.isaac4honesty.com. It's I-S-A-A-C, the number four, honesty.com. This election is about the past 16 years. Whether we want to continue down a path of failure or whether we want to try a new approach. You know, the definition of insanity, according to Einstein, is to do the same thing the same way and expect a different result. I'm asking for a two-year temp to Hire program. Give me two years to show you how my vision for our district will be better than what we've gotten over the last 40 years. And if you don't like it, in two years you can get rid of me and we can go back to what we've gotten before. But I think we are our young people, we are our community. We owe those who have stomped before us the opportunity to do things better. I believe we can do better, and that starts by electing me in November as congressman of the 2nd District.
3: That sounds great, and uh, we do appreciate you being on our uh, program with the Chicago Black Business Network uh, with the Black Wall Street. Uh, We will reach out to you so that we can help you to have a platform and specifically as it relates to that, uh, southeast part of Chicago, as you may know that, uh, the Black Wall Street has looked at Stony Island from, uh, 71st Street to uh, 95th Street as a Black Wall Street district. Uh, that covers your district, is that correct? What part of 95th? Uh, 71st Street uh, on the north to 95th Street, on the south, Stony Island. Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, so we definitely want to entertain you in uh, addressing what can be of uh, a magnitude when we uh, officially declare Stony Island as a Black Wall Street district. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on, and I'm pretty sure that our listeners have had a good insight on what you're about and your perspective as leadership versus politics um, and a little bit versus uh, your ministry as well. And again,
2: before Mr. Hayes leaves, I want to thank you for being here, Mr. Hayes. I appreciate you taking the time. Let's just, if we can, Mr. Hayes, let's just take this caller on the line and uh, see if they have a question for you. Can we do that? Yes, we may. Okay. Caller from Area Code 773, uh, last four numbers, 5195. Welcome to the show. Who's on the line?
4: Hello, how you doing? This is Tyson Smith. How you doing, brother? Tyson Smith. I'm doing quite well. Great. Our
2: subject this evening is black leadership. Is this the best that we can do? And we have a candidate for Congress, Mr. Isaac Hayes, uh, who was our guest this evening. Did you have a comment, Mr. Smith?
4: Um, sure. Um, I most certainly do, and I appreciate um, you giving me the insight to call in. I was just wondering what what's, um, exactly is going to be done. During the summertime, like um, to help get the kids off the street as far as, uh, you know, the jobs being cut down with a lot of adults now needing the jobs like uh, smaller jobs like McDonald's and Burger King, what outlets will kids have during the summer, especially with the crime rates starting to escalate already and it's not even really relatively warm yet? Um, Is there going to be some new outlets or programs created so they can find somewhere to go with some type of mentorship?
3: Uh, uh, uh Mr. Hayes, how you how you want to uh uh handle that or address that particular uh question?
0: Well well that that's a good one. And uh, you know, the 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 answer to that in in short is that the the city of Chicago, uh I think has like fourteen thousand jobs for teens that they can apply for, maybe more than that. It was just uh with Alderman uh Lyle in the sixth ward yesterday and uh she's you know a lot more in tune to the city programs than I am, but they are hiring now the city of Chicago, and I actually worked at several years when I was a teen. So that's one avenue that uh, our teens and young people can go to. And those churches like mine who have summer day camps, YMCAs, they're doing uh, interviews right now, receiving applications for young people who want to be, you know, day camp assistants and things of that nature. So, um, you know, one of the things while you touch on that, that my vision is also in terms of leadership is to have a one-stop shop for the second district so that, you know, in the future as congressmen, you'll be able to go to our website and see every dist- uh, business in the district that is in operation. You'll be able to see every job opportunity that's available so that you know, we people won't have to go scurrying around from website to website and and, and office to office. Uh, but the short of that, again, is is the uh, city of Chicago has some uh, programs for our young people available right now, and various organizations like the YMCA, some churches, and things that put on day camps in the summer have jobs available also.
3: Okay. okay. All right. Okay, what, what part of the uh Chicago area do you uh do you, you live, uh Mr. Smith? Southside, Morgan Park area.
4: Okay. Right uh, up, uh right near hundred and eleven. So
3: okay. Hundred eleven SN. Is that basically in your uh area, Mr. Hayes?
0: Yeah, we, we run right to the uh right along the I fifty seven in that area. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so so yeah we we go to uh ninety fifth and stony and then we go all the way from ninety fifth to the uh Dan ryan and just ride fifty seven all around so
3: mm-hmm. okay 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 well mr. Smith let me ask you this question um do what is your assessment of black leadership? is this the best that we can do uh, are we at our limit or how do you assess this?
4: Um, you have certain black leaders who, to me, are out in the streets and more. Um, not for like their own personal gain. You got such as like to me like Reverend Meeks, you know, and um, we got others out there, you know. And I, you see, you know, like uh Muslims in the black community a lot. They they get out there. This is well, I'm just saying, people that you can relate to or see out on the streets. There's other passes out there, though, you know, I'm not taking away from nobody else who uh, often hits the streets when you have situations going on. But what I don't like at times is how you have certain people, and I won't put them on blast or whatever, but it seems like only time they are there is to when a situation arises. To me, it's like almost like uh, beneficial to them just to be seen that they're in the head front of the situation not necessarily that they're going to rectify anything, but just to put themselves in a the mix so they could say that they were there. I, I would kind of say sometimes you see as, uh, black leadership as more like opportunists than actual people who perform to try to rectify a, a particular situation. But what you guys, I mean, what, what everybody has to understand is to try to relate to the youth a little bit more and get out here and ask them questions and, and talk to them face-to-face and see what's going on in their mind, what is it exactly that they're, meet, um, they're, they're missing that's causing them to behave like that. A big strong point for me was I was grown from a Christian uh, – I was grown – i mean, I'm sorry. I was raised by Christian parents. You know, my mom took me to the church religiously and everything, and I came from a type of background where everything was close-knit. You always had the person in the neighborhood, if you were doing something wrong, that would tell your mother about it. We don't get that going on right now. You know, everybody has the whole stop-stitching campaign, and, you know, I I see that in two different lights. But seriously, if if it's a situation where you're seeing a child is getting um, hurt or or something like that in your community, you you should speak up on situations like that. I think um, people are scared to talk, and I think some, uh, some of our leaders are just scared to hit the pavement and get their hands dirty and get there in the trenches where the stuff is actually you know, going down it and scared to approach some of these youth, but that's what they need. They obviously need guidance. You've got a lot of these uh, youth who don't have fathers in a home and may and need a role model to look up to. So instead of letting cable be their parent, you know, if we could get some leaders out there to actually talk to them face-to-face, that would be a good thing. Okay. Very
3: good. Thanks a lot for calling in on the Chicago Black Business Network and the uh, Black Wall Street uh Radio Block, appreciate your call, and definitely want you to uh, come back with us next Thursday. And uh, the same for you, Mr. Hayes. We welcome you to uh, come back to uh, the Chicago Black Business Network and come back to our committee meetings in addition to you as well, Mr. Smith, where we meet every Thursday at 830, uh, as you have came to our uh, planning meetings and summits before. Uh, again, we welcome you for being on our show. And, uh, Sonia, where are we at? Where are we going here? <laughs>
2: well, we're going to, once again, thank you, Mr. Hayes, and we will get back to you with the information on our upcoming events as we close out this show. And, uh, Mr. Smith, we want to thank you for calling in. Well, Ron, this is where we're at. We have some upcoming events here. Mr. Hayes was a great guest. He is a member of Chicago's Black Business Network now and uh, hope to I started a, a political group this week. Hope he engages in some dialogue on our website. That would be great. you listen to Black Wall Street USA. I want to remind everybody, Ron, that we are having a networking event at the offices of South Street Journal Tuesday, May 11th, at 449 East 75th Street. That's 7.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Yeah, We're going to get it started early, come over, have some great coffee. We're going to do coffee taste testing. We have a lot of different varieties, uh, Jabba Joe, I believe, and some light refreshments. Uh, we're going to have uh, registration for CPR classes. Dr. Catherine of Learn CPR Chicago has vowed that she would do 1,000 CPR demonstrations before June. Bless her heart. That's quite a bit. And we're going to actually have a uh, two hour long sessions of CPR that morning, but you need to pre-register at 312-239-8835. I'll say that again. 312-239-8835. Now, wanted you, wanted you all to know that South Street Journal uh, it's the office of Mr. Ron Carter. Ron Carter, which we don't talk about a lot, is the editor and publisher of South Street Journal. and we just just taking over your office, aren't we, Ron? Yes, you are. Yes, you <laughs> we are.
3: Just, we just hey, take hey,
2: it over. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. hmm. That's all right. That's okay. That's, Go ahead. Take it on over. over.
2: But that's part of the outreach of Black Wall Street Chicago mm-hmm. and, and Chicago's Black Business Network. We're not. We're um, yeah. taking
3: over, right? Okay, go ahead.
2: No, it's part of our outreach.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're reaching out.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, Dr. Catherine is bringing the CPR because of her concern for health. We're also that day. We're quite busy that day. Wanda Muhammad of Channel 21 uh, has a TV show, Shaping Young Minds. She, if you have a teenager, Who has an interest in being part of that show? uh, She brings uh, the teenagers to do the interviews on that show for business people in the communities. She will bring, uh, she's going to do a half an hour session as to what the guidelines and requirements are for that show. So if you have a teenager who's interested in being on that show, come over. You can register and get your uh, application form for the show. Yes, we're going to be busy that morning. Also, CETA will be here. It's not too late to winterize your home. CETA will be here. Uh, They will be doing the electric and gas assistance program, which you need your driver's license, your Social Security card, and your electric and gas bill. And we can still give you assistance. It is not too late. It is not too late to winterize your home. If you have a home, you should take advantage of this program. And we're not finished yet. There's going to be an hour seminar. Uh, Black Wall Street Chicago's own Ernest Armstrong will be holding an intro seminar, Business from A to Z. So it's going to be networking and much, much more. And yes, Mr. Carter, it's part of our community outreach. Thank you Let's so take much. Take over. <laughs> this we thank you so much. We appreciate it so much, everything that you do. You listen to Black Wall Street USA, and we're here every Thursday right here at blogtalkradio.com slash CBBN at 7 p.m. In closing, persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of obstacles. I want to add something else. You know, we have a uh, screening coming up, Mr. Carter. On May, yeah, on May sixteenth, before they die.
3: Oh, and, correct. Uh, oh, yes, definitely, definitely, very powerful uh, documentary of Black Wall Street. Go ahead. I just heard the buddy in there say that. That is a uh, very <laughs> extremely. I've seen it. I definitely need to see it again. It's real instrumental. Um, and inspirational of where we at and where we got to go, regardless of it happening in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a reflection of many black uh, cities across the the country, and it definitely takes your heart and it gives you that inspiration as you see it again. Uh, sorry about buttoning in on your commercial, Sonia, but that uh, documentary, that screening is very important for all to see, because it is a hidden uh historical moment that's happened in uh the United States that a lot of people are just not aware of uh, of, of the might of the spirit of the uh, of of the of the growth that black communities have done in the absence of where we are now so yes that's uh may 16th correct
2: that's sunday may 16th dr Uh, brown and her husband chef irving will be hosting that event at 820 east 87th street and that's going to be from 5 p.m to 8 p.m and with the wine tasting and some hors d'oeuvres and uh the presentation is about an hour and a half and we uh have not confirmed yet but we know that Ron Carter will also be hosting that segment. But we have not confirmed that the producer Reggie Turner, uh, head of the Tulsa project, may be in town that weekend and he may join us for that screening. That's before they die. And uh, the 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 trailer is before they die, the movie. And you can see a preview of that. But if you'd like additional information, call me at 312 239 8835. 312 239 8835. Also, you're welcome to come over and join us at Chicago's Black Business com. There's no charge to come in. I'll, events are all posted there, and uh, you can RSVP there. We're going to keep you updated on this. Spaces are limited for this screening. It has There has not been a screening in Chicago. Uh, for almost a year, so this is the first screening in quite a while. And and, uh, you're not surprised, Ron, but some people may be surprised when you mention Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one day in May, which was May 31st, to June 1st, when 300 people died, people do not know. They do not know about this story. And as part of our outreach, Mr. Carter, we are going to let them know. And uh that's that's something else that we're gonna do in May. So we got May eleventh, uh, the networking event at four forty nine East Thirty Fifth Street that starts at seven thirty. We have uh May eighteenth, we have the meeting over at South Shore Library, May sixteenth the screening, and May twenty second the summer. Yes, Mr. Carter, we're reaching out. I wanna thank you so much for joining us this evening. And and party once again. We're gonna do this. We're gonna close out once again. I think I think we can close out now. Persistence is the act of continually pursuing something in spite of the obstacles, and that is actually what we're doing. Everyone, we want you to have a great, great evening. Good night, Mr. Carter.
3: Good night, Sonia, and I will guess and call. Him.